0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining me today. Today's topic is how to get out of a funk. There are three types of funks. There's the funk you know you're in, where you're down, things aren't right, things aren't clicking, you're out of sorts, you're not even sure why, but you're just in a funk, right? As the old jazz singers say, you got the blues. The second type of funk is you're not sure you're in a funk, but you seem to be rubbing people the wrong way. And you're saying things and you're getting reactions from people and it's like, what's wrong with them? Well, it turns out you might be in a funk and that's why you're rubbing people the wrong way. And then lastly is the funk you don't know you're in until you get out of it. And that's probably the most dangerous one of all. And that's why we always want to be pursuing those things that help us change our mindset, improve our attitudes, help us perform and operate at our best. Because when you start pursuing that type of lifestyle, sometimes you realize, my goodness, I've been out of sorts for a while. And it just happens. And it happens because of drift. No one ever decided in their life, I'm going to begin a funk today. I'm going to get out of sorts today. I'm going to start being more depressed today. No one ever makes that decision. It's you get out of a routine, something happens in your life, you have a setback, maybe there's a pandemic. Maybe someone's lost their job. Maybe your favorite restaurant and your favorite show has gotten canceled or all these different things are happening. And bit by bit, maybe there's a little bit of negativity in the news. Maybe things haven't gone your way. Maybe you don't like where things are going around you. And the next thing you know, you're not quite where you want to be. And you don't really know how you got there. And it's this slow, quiet killer. And it's a drift. And so we're going to talk about it today is how to get out of a funk. And this is going to be helpful no matter where you're at. I don't know what your state of mind is today, but people have said to me all the time, you know, Brian, yeah, I've been following you for 25 years. You're always so positive. You're always so fired up and you're always so enthusiastic. That is not a true statement. I am not always fired up. I'm just more fired up than not. I get in and out of funks all the time. And here's what I think success is is that there's a short amount of time between being in a funk and getting out of one. That's it. And sometimes a funk can last a year or several years. Sometimes what happens is you get into a funk, and then you become funky, which is you start to ingrain those behaviors, ingrain those thoughts, start to justify, start to become a victim to your circumstance instead of being victorious over them. And so we've all met people like that. We meet people who are so cemented in their thought life. They've victimized themselves, and they've turned it over and over and over again. And they're not just in a funk. They are now funky. They're difficult. They're down. They're negative and just not cool to be around. How does that happen? Well, what I do is I always start with me. Like, where am I at? Am I operating at the top of my game? Now, one of the things that I'm kind of in tune with is how people receive me. So when I say something and my wife has a reaction to it, I have learned over 30 years of marriage to go, okay, what did I just say and what did she just hear? How was it delivered? I might have even said something positive, but I might have done it in a funky way. And so what I've done is use that a lot to see where I'm at. Now, that doesn't mean if somebody's funky with you or someone has a bad reaction to you that you're out of sorts, but it is a good clue. And I'm going to be candid with you coming out of this pandemic, I've had conversations with people who I know are spending a lot of time by themselves. And I've had conversations with them, and I know who these people are. And I'm like, wow, they don't know what kind of energy they're giving off right now. They don't know how negative they are. They don't know how kind of harsh they just communicated that. It's obvious to me, not that I'm having a reaction to it, they're just not aware. And again, we've just come through a circumstance where people have been in lockdown, where there's been cultural lockdowns, societal lockdowns, people are down in the dumps. Back home in Ireland, outside of China, the Irish have had the most severe lockdowns of all. And I got to be honest with you, when I talk to people at home, they are down in the dumps. And it's just to what degree they're down in the dumps to be candid with you. So it's tough times. So whether you know you're in a funk, whether you find yourself you're rubbing people the wrong way, or you're not sure where you're at, When you start pursuing the right types of things in the right kind of way, you'll find maybe I was in a funk, and uh, now you're like the submarine. You come up above the surface of the water, take on the fresh air, and it's like, oh my goodness, I was a little further down in the depths than I realized. So that's what I have in store for you today. Hopefully this helps you. Whatever is good for you. Like I always say, eat the meat, throw away the bones. I hope there's something in this for you today. So the three things I want to get into today is the first thing is what's wrong with me. That's the first place we get to when we start doing the whole conversation about a funk. What's wrong with me? Secondly, I want to talk about how to navigate the funk because you don't instantly get out of one. And then I'm going to give you the step-by-step process of how to get out of a funk. And so if you're feeling great, this will be great fuel for the future or even encouragement that maybe you can give somebody else if they're not doing so good. So first and foremost, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me starts with the voice in our head. Do you know that 98% of all communication with a human being is with themselves? The vast majority of our communication are things we say to ourselves. And you say things and I say things to myself you would never say to anybody else. You would never walk to me lazy, fat, stupid. How could you be so stupid? You would never say that to people. Very rarely would a person say that to another human being. We say stuff like that to ourselves all the time. You always do this. And so we have the little voice in our head and the negative thoughts just spiral. That's one of the reasons why next week I'm gonna do an interview with a fantastic gentleman by the name of Ethan Cross who wrote this great book called Chatter. And it's the voice in our head, why it matters and how to harness it. You know, one of the dynamics about this pandemic, one of the things that's happened for me, and that's rarely done, but do I kind of follow the crowd, but I've gotten back in the golf. Now, a couple of reasons for it is I'm officially an empty nester. All my kids are out of the house and my golf game was put on the shelf while I was raising my kids and involved in their lives and sporting events and all that stuff. And so now Beverly and I, she's getting more into the horses, and I'm getting back into golf. I'm loving it, and I'm hating it at the same time. I hate how bad I've gotten, but I'm loving being out there. I'm meeting some new people and getting a bit of life back in. One of the things that's been fascinating as I'm starting to play a little game of golf is I've been taking some lessons, getting some coaching, improving, but the little voice in my head appears all the time. And a great example of this is I went down to the range the other day and I had a practice session and I hit chip shots for an hour. And I'm going to tell you in an hour, I didn't hit one bad chip shot in an hour of practice. Myself and my brother Dermot were out playing golf, this beautiful golf course called Pelican Hill, right in Newport Beach, overlooking the oceans, kind of like Southern California's Pebble Beach. I'm playing a golf and I'm hitting the ball okay and I have a chip shot. And it's the identical chip shot that I practiced for an hour the day before. And I must have hit hundreds of chip shots and didn't miss one. Now, you know where the story's going. I'm standing over the ball, and this thought comes into my head. Don't blade it, which means kind of hit it in the middle of the ball, send it over the green. And I went ahead and swung, and what do you think happened? Of course, I bladed the chip shot. Now, here's the thing. It had nothing to do with my skill. It had nothing to do with my preparation. It had nothing to do with my attitude. It was the little voice in my head, and I listened to the little voice in my head. And that's why the game of golf can be a a, a head wrecker itself, because the voice in your head is critical. Joyce Meyer, the famous evangelist, says, being negative only makes a difficult journey more difficult. You may be given a cactus, but you don't have to sit on it. She's got that Texas kind of wit. Bryant McGill said, negative self-talk and negative affirmation can keep you anchored in all thought patterns and identities. So the answer for me is, yeah, I need to have the chipping game, but B, I need to arrest the thought. And the rest of the thought is this. Hey, don't blade this chip shot. Take a breath. Hey, you just practice this for an hour. You got this. I just needed to take a second and introduce the new thought. That's all. We all have negative thoughts. We all have self-deprecating thoughts. We all have doubt. It's what it means to be human. We all have this. We don't have to believe it and we don't have to buy into it. The second contributor to the what's wrong with me funk is isolation. Now imagine this. We've had a situation where in the world, governments of the world and state governments, some states more than others, have mandated that people are in isolation. That's what we need to do. Social distancing. Isolation. They've asked us to be in isolation. And if you think about it, Isolation is kind of a dangerous thing. Today, people are more isolated than they've ever been. Stanford study just came out that 42% of the entire U.S. labor force are now working from home for the love of Mary. 42%. Not since America was an agrarian culture have people work from home like this. We are naturally being driven to isolation. The Spanish essayist Miguel Diamundo said, isolation is the worst possible counselor. And the great Bishop Desmond Tutu, along with Nelson Mandela, helped end apartheid in South Africa. He said this, a person is a person through other relationships. You can't be human in isolation. You're only human in relationships. Now, here's the thing. People are the most difficult thing in life, but people are also the greatest thing in life. And we are designed to be in relationship with other people. Now, I will tell you that during this time, I have learned to enjoy my own company more than I ever have. But I will also tell you, I have now learned to enjoy the company of others more than I ever have. And I'm getting more connection and more joy out of my friendships and relationships than I have in a long time. And it's because they were absent for a while. So the isolation, I hope, can bring you to a place where, no, I'm just good by myself. I used to be by myself. I'm going to stay by myself. I'm going to live in my sweatpants and jammies and do Zoom calls. And that's just where I want to be. Long term. That's not how human beings were designed. In my faith tradition, how God created us to be. So we have to make sure that we're in relationship. We've got to connect and get out of isolation. The last thing that gets into what's wrong with me is poor intake. Poor intake. What are we listening to? What are we watching? When we're isolated, where do people turn? Well, we know they go to social media and the news. Consumption between 2019 and 2020 of US digital media was up 215% and we're seeing that escalate beyond that. According to a Reuters study, 90% of news is negative. So we're increasing our intake by 215% of something that's 90% negative. Hmm. I wonder what our chances are. I wonder what encouragement there is. I mean, I have deleted news apps from my phone. I was starting my day. I get up early and the first thing I'd do is I'd reach for my phone. I'd see what was going on. I'd check a couple of different news apps on the stock market. And then I decided I'm not going to do any of that. By the way, I'm not a day stock trader. I invest for the long haul. So what am I doing that for? But with these headlines and sometimes the clickbait of the headlines, I was starting my day off. It's dark outside. It's five in the morning. And I've just started out with the most negative thing in the world or some stupid sentence that somebody said. some childish petty sentence from a petty politician or a petty person or a minor celebrity and it's headline news. Why? Because these people get paid when I click onto their site. They're paid to entice me into starting my day off in a funk. Here's what I do. Here's a little habit. I've taken my phone and it's now, it charges in the bathroom. So when I'm up and I'm already going, I'm up and about I've gotten a nice morning going before I check the phone. Colin Powell said, bad news isn't wine. It doesn't improve with age. And Alexis O'Hannon, who's Serena Williams' husband, the co-founder of Reddit. So there's a guy that is the founder of a social media site that's now on the front news for all this GameStop stock and all that thing. Here's his quote. And this is a guy who started a social media site. He said, it takes discipline. Not to let social media steal your time. Well, there it is. There's a warning label. You know, they have a warning label on cigarettes, but apparently not on social media. Back in 1920, W.H. Auden said, What the mass media offers is not popular art, but entertainment, which is intended to be consumed like food, forgotten and replaced by a new dish. That's a 100 years ago. There were no Facebook then. There were no news apps then. Guess what? Human nature hasn't changed. What has happened in our world is the bad news gets to us quicker, more directly, and through our phones. You know, the other day I went out for a workout and I had a long day at the office and I forgot my phone. And I'm going to be candid with you. I am not a social media hog. When I get my weekly report of screen time, it's pretty reasonable. But I'm going to tell you, I was like a crack addict scratching around without having my phone. I actually had one of my staff drive down to the house because I was in here doing some broadcast work to get my phone. My main thing is who's calling me, what messages. I don't want to be rude, that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, I was, uh, where's my phone? So the media can now get direct access to us. And it's very, very powerful. So if you're in a funk, just first of all, I want to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a human being. Human beings are built. Life is designed to have peaks and valleys. All great stories. They have what's called story arcs. You know, long before Andy Dufresne gets to the beach in Sewantaneo, he has to go through a lot of highs and a lot of lows, which is why so many people love that movie. The fact of the matter is, so is life. We have highs. We have lows. We have times we're fired up. We have times when we're just at the bottom. There's nothing wrong with you. You're human. And at this season in life, you might be in a funk. You might have family members in a funk. You might have a spouse in a funk. Now, you can't go, hey, this is what you need to do. Now, you could say, hey, I listened to a good podcast the other day and see what they get out of that. But at the end of the day, you know what I'd say? Put the oxygen mask on yourself. How are people interacting with you? Are you rubbing people the wrong way? Maybe, just maybe, you're in a funk and don't know it. Do the things that get you out of a funk, which I'm going to share with you. And when you come up for air, you might find, hey, you know what? I was a little out of sorts. So let's talk about that right now. Let's talk about navigating the funk. And again, I have a few points for you here. The first thing is, is that your self-esteem reflects your self-talk. Now, I learned this very early on on my path in personal growth and development. Over 20 years ago, I met a man by the name of Shad Helmstetter, who wrote this hugely best-selling book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. I mean, isn't it a great title? What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. You know, Shad Helmstetter has helped more people lose weight than almost anybody, and he's never talked about weight loss because he just addressed one little story in his book how this woman changed her self talk about herself and lost all this weight. People said, I like the idea of that. What do you say when you talk to yourself and how to change and influence what you say to yourself? We had episode 40, which was Getting Caught Talking to Yourself, the interview I did with Shad Helmstetter. Poor self talk breeds poor self-esteem. You know, our unconscious mind, subconscious it's often called, 80% of our actions come out of our own conscious mind. 80% of what we do comes out of our unconscious mind. Do you know that your unconscious mind cannot determine whether you're being cynical or satirical with yourself? You know, when you're saying something to yourself or talking down to yourself, you know that your subconscious mind can actually differentiate that. It takes it as an instruction So it's very, very important. You can't have a positive external thought life and a negative internal thought life. Those two will eventually capture one another because one day you'll be under pressure, under stress, and the real stuff comes out. We have to have positive self-talk. Now, again, that's the caricature. You know, that's the person who's actually kind of ridiculed in today's society. Remember Saturday Night Live and they had the skit, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And that was the goofy guy on Saturday Night Live. I'm going to say this. It takes a tremendous amount of intestinal fortitude to be positive when everything's negative. Being positive is is only tested under negative circumstances. You know, I received, I don't know how many. I'm going to say I received somewhere around 50,000 pieces of mail and emails last year alone. Now, one of the reasons was we reached out to people during the pandemic. We were doing our Facebook live which over 3 million people watched in a 12-week period of time. We were doubling up on our podcasts to try to serve and meet needs. Now, I was addressing the challenges and the difficulties. I would sometimes express my own frustration with what people were doing or what was happening politically or governmentally or even culturally in reactions to some of these things. So I would take on the challenges. But I was relentlessly positive in what I knew to be the case and what was coming and how people could prosper and succeed and do well and that even though it was a terrible time, people are passing away, people are sick. Difficult times, but it still could be a great year. And I'm going to tell you, almost with a very sober reflection, 2020 for me is a very strange year, but I will also tell you it's one of the best years of my life. It takes grit to be relentlessly positive. When somebody's positive, they're naturally presumed to be shallow. When somebody's cynical, They're naturally presumed to be deep or a thinker. No. When somebody's cynical, they're cynical. They're in a permanent funk. They're in a permanent funk. Because not only do they no longer have false hope, they have no hope at all. In fact, they don't think you should have hope either. And there's a bit of a difference. And I just have chosen not to live like that. Okay? Now let me tell you, I appreciate skeptics. A skeptical person's okay by me. See, a skeptical person is someone who's hoping to believe in something or wants to trust in something or someone, but they need to be verified. They won't give it away idly. I have many people who are very skeptical when they came to our seminars. We've had people in our coaching program, they brought their spouse to a seminar we gave and they were very skeptical walking in, but they wanted to see if it was the real thing. And they put us through the test and they wanted to know if I was a real thing. They wanted to know if our company was a real thing. And when they came out on the other side, They were our most loyal followers. They were people who were most committed to what we were doing. They were skeptics. So a skeptic is someone who's like, hey, just show me, prove to me that this is real. I want to put my hope and faith and trust in something, someone, what you say, what you do. I just want to know what's real. Nothing wrong with a healthy skepticism. Because a skeptic believes hope and trust can happen. A cynic has come to the underlying belief that you can't trust anything or anyone. A cynic has come to the belief that there's no hope. I was in Florida for a couple of weeks and I was out there riding competitively in her dressage world. And I went in to get a -a rent-a-car and there was a young lady behind the counter and she had a mask on and she's at the counter serving me. And the mask said, trust no one. My heart sank. Now, I don't know what's happened in this young lady's life. I don't know what the backstory is. I don't know. But to come to a place that she might have been 27 or 28 years old and she has a mask on that says, trust no one, I just sank. I was devastated thinking, man, if she's affirming that and reaffirming that in her life, what chance does she have of living the good life? The good life awaits. Let me say this. I've put my trust in people who've let me down. I've put my hope in things and people who've let me down. But the fact of the matter is, you know the old phrase, better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all? To believe that there's no one you can trust and there's nothing you can trust. For me, my faith tradition won't allow me to get there. I don't understand a lot of things. I go, I trust God for that. And I know this, there is a God and I'm not him. So I'm just going to trust. So that's that's a big deal. And so that self-esteem is reflected. Bob Proctor, great presenter and mentor, said, don't be a victim of negative self-talk. Remember, you are listening. You're listening to yourself. Brene Brown, brilliant, brilliant insight, says, talk to yourself like you would to someone you love. How about that? You know, one of the commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, some of us don't do a great job of loving ourselves. Talk to yourself like you would to someone you love. Do you encourage other people? Do you ever encourage yourself? Do you ever acknowledge yourself? I'm not talking about, I love myself, you know, that. I'm talking about, do you ever really acknowledge yourself for what you do? You know, for me, I'm a driven guy, focused guy. I'm always on to the next thing. I've had to learn as the gray hairs have come and the snow has come on the roof to start to actually take a moment and appreciate what's happening right now. Take a moment, appreciate what you did right now, okay? So my daughter, Anna, she's cut off the same block, right? She just is the first alternate for the World Cup team, for the U.S. dressage team. And she's come out of nowhere. She wasn't in the top 20 just a few months ago. And I just called her up, to congratulate her. She goes, yeah, I just get to get that little better. I'm just one spot out of the team. And then I go, honey, first of all, congratulations, okay? You've gone from 25th in the country to 4th. Phenomenal. Now, I know that's not the end of the story, but we got to take a moment to at least acknowledge where we are, acknowledge what we've done. Talk to ourselves like you would someone you love. Your body hears everything your mind says. And so it's very, very important how this all works. And so your body reacts to it. There's countless studies on how changing our internal dialogue can change a person's physical chemistry. It can help you get healthy and heal and live better. Just love yourself up a little bit. Say something kind to yourself today. Try that. The next thing is the difference, as we're talking about this navigating the funk, is understanding the difference between isolation and solitude. And I talked about this a little bit in, get, in finding out what's wrong with me. Solitary confinement. You know, outside of the death penalty, it's the harshest punishment they have in the prison system. So countries that don't have the death penalty, if they're like, you did something so egregious, so terrible, we're going to do this. We're going to impose the maximum penalty we can on a human being. We're going to put you in a room with yourself. That's the definition of solitary confinement. When we're forced to be with ourselves, which we have been, it's okay. It can be solitude. And like I said, I've learned to enjoy my own company in a way like I've never done before. Every weekend, I would say on average for the past 20 years, we would have anywhere from 50 to 70 kids at our home. We always had a big place and it was always the place for them to bring their friends. So we've always had a busy home. Now, lately, Bev's been out in Florida with Anna. I've been home alone, okay? And it's been like the Home Alone movie. You know, I started out and I kind of ate what I wanted the first day. And by the end, I was adding in the fabric softener, just like in the movie. But the fact of the matter is I've kind of enjoyed the Sound of Silence. I'm walking around the big empty house. It's very quiet. And I kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it. It's been good. It's been a little restorative. So there's a big difference between solitude, which is intentional, versus isolation. So, big difference, according to Henry Cloud, uh, who wrote the book Boundaries, he said there's a big difference between solitude and isolation. One is connected and one isn't. Solitude replenishes, isolation diminishes. So, here's the dynamic. Being by yourself, there's a part of that that's good. Then you've got to intentionally connect. Now, some people are more gregarious, some people are more Private and like their own company more and more introspective by nature. I would just say this we all need people and we all do better with people. We all do better with people. That's why we have a coaching company. We've proven hands down we 10x the average client. I mean, there's people who've written books 10x and it's just a nice sound. The average client in the real estate space, when they come to us, is making $35,000 a year and our average client today makes 310,000. So we've proven we can 10x somebody's income by having a coach. It's the same person. They weren't given any more gifts, but when they're connected with a relationship, and in this case, a professional relationship to champion them, boom, 10 times the performance. Joseph Rauch said in the 1700s, solitude brings life, isolation kills. The last thing, and you've heard me talk about this before, is that we become what we think about. I'm coming to you today from the Earl Nightingale Studios at Buffini & Company. Named after the great Earl Nightingale. It was The Strangest Secret, the most transformative recording in American history. Episode 61, if you're new to our show, go and check it out. Phenomenal. Also, uh, As a Man Thinketh, which was episode 200. Those two episodes, are phenomenal. We have to influence our thought life. We become what we think about. If you want to be healthier, if you want to be wealthier, if you want to be kinder, if you want to be gentler, if you want to be more generous, if you want to be more loving, if you want to be in a relationship, we become what we think about. And so important to influence your own mind. Napoleon Hill said, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And so as a man thinketh, the strangest secret, and then think and grow rich. Those are the three classics of the personal growth and development movement. I've just mentioned them all to you. And by the way, the inference there is when you're in a funk, it's time to go back to the fundamentals. The fundamentals of personal growth and development. Because I believe the greatest way to get out of a funk is to grow. And we're going to talk about that here. So we've talked about what's wrong with me. We've talked about how to navigate the funk. And now we're going to talk specifically how to get out of a funk, right? If you find yourself in that spot, here's a couple of tips, all right? First, take care of yourself. Real basic stuff. Healthy diet, hydration, exercise. Get, as the Canadians say, out and about. What have we been asked to do? Isolate, stay home, be by ourselves. Everything you're supposed to not do. You know what they're finding right now is that people are showing up in hospitals. The number one thing they're finding in hospitals when people show up is the average person is significantly dehydrated. A lot of reasons for it. We're indoors, maybe drinking a little bit more. Maybe it's cold and you got the heater on and we're not drinking as much water. Can you believe something as basic as that? We need to drink more water. We need to get out and about. A healthier diet. I know this sounds like, oh gosh, get your rest and get your sleep. But it's true. When you're home, I don't know about you. Here, here's the thing. I did not put on the quarantine 15 until basically we were out of the woods. I was in great shape. I was working out all the time. I've, I haven't missed a day of working out since August 1st till today. I have missed one single day, seven days a week of working out. But what happened for me is as we got into the holidays, I kind of let it slip. And I picked up the quarantine 15 over the holidays. And so when January rolled around, I hello, Dolly. And so back on the horse. Here we go. I've been exercising. I've drifted. And again, I'm going from Zoom call to Zoom call and so on and forth. And in between, you get up, you walk around. My little Apple watch would tell me, get up and walk. Okay, I'd get up and walk around. And I'd walk to the fridge, make a cup of tea. It was cold outside. You know, Irish people, we look, Bewley's tea. Nothing like it in the world. Nectar of the gods. And when I had a cup of tea, I had something with it. So guess what? Now what I do is I get up in the morning, I get this big pitcher, we have a nice filtration system, I got the good water, I got the good ice, I cut up some lemons, I squeeze some lemons, and I go, okay, I'm going to go through two of those today, no matter what. Doing the little things, and you know what, I feel a little better. The skin's a little clearer, I feel a little better. So basic stuff, healthy diet, exercise, and also get your sleep. Jim Rohn used to say this to his partner, he'd say, I'll take care of me for you, if you'll take care of you for me. I just love that. And Beverly and I say that to one another. I'll take care of me for you, if you'll take care of you for me. Nietzsche said, all truly great thoughts are conceived by walking. Pretty interesting thought. And me and Nietzsche, I wouldn't agree with much of what he had to say. But even then, a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. You know, get out and have a bit of a walk. Famous fashion designer, Diane von Furstenberg, she said, it is so important to take time for yourself and find clarity. The most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Great stuff. The next piece that is to get out of a funk, I'd say, is to look beyond yourself. You know, we do a lot of navel-gazing, especially in the Western world, in our modern world we live in, where psychology is the number one subject to study in American and North American universities. There's a lot of navel-gazing going on. There's a lot of self-help books about navel-gazing. And it's okay. Introspection and self-analysis, I believe in all that. I do a lot of that. But if you just get stuck in your own problem and why I'm in this funk and why am I in this funk? And what's going on? And why are people reacting to me this way? And how do I get out of it? And I feel down and I feel depressed. When you're in that spot, sometimes you get stuck there. Here's the good news get your head up off yourself and onto somebody else. And one of the most life giving things in the world is to serve somebody else. There's plenty of people in need. There's plenty of people who are hurting. Can you get your eyes off yourself onto someone else? Can you help somebody out? It's amazing how this works. I have a little sign in my office that says, impossible to shine a light on someone else's path without lighting your own. I gotta say this. I've been in the coaching and training business for 25 years. And when I think about how blessed my life has been, my faith, my family, and then in my work life, I've gotten a chance to bless other people every day of the week. And when I think about how blessed my life is, I think of that, how blessed I am that I get to do that. I had my own jet for 17 years, and people think that's the greatest thing in the world. You know, I loved every minute of it. It allowed me to be in Houston in the morning and to be home for dinner and coach basketball that night. And that's what I used it for. But it was gone one day. And I used to tell people one day these jets are going to be recycled and turned into washing machines, which they probably are by now. You know what? I have no recollection really of the jet. It's kind of like a different life. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have relationships I built that during that time. I have people I had a chance to meet, mentor, coach, interact with, serve. And those are the richest things. It wasn't the plane that was the great thing, is that the plane was taking me to those people. Plane was taking me to these events. The plane was taking me to these experiences and the plane was bringing me home to my primary relationships at home. That's the stuff. That's the stuff. That's what makes life rich. Get your eyes off yourself, up onto other people. What I can tell you is this, one of the greatest blessings in my life is that in giving my energy away to people all day long, it's come back in droves. And my father used to say, give it out in slices, it comes back in loaves. And I can absolutely believe that. Booker T. Washington said this, If you want to lift yourself up, lift someone else up. And it's true. Now, don't do it so you'll be lifted. Just know it's a consequence of it. Susan Schultz said, go beyond yourself and reach out to other people with the sincere love, respect, and caring, and understanding of their needs. And guess what happens? Your needs become known. And it's a fantastic thing. Last thing I want to say, and this one's obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway because when we get into a funk, we get away from the obvious things, is pour in the good stuff. Put the good stuff into your head and heart. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? I can tell how somebody's doing. Let's say there was a way to analyze everything you read, watched, and listened to in the last week. I can pretty much tell you where you're at. And so sometimes, by the way, you know one of the things I do to get out of the funk? I listen to funky music. Guess what? Satellite radio is right there. The 70s station. It's the best, man. And I love all that stuff. And so, yeah, I'm not all the time listening to, you know transcendental this and that, you know, whatever. I'm not listening to that stuff all the time. I listen to a lot of different things. But one of the things that music does, it can change your state. And I love the 70s. I associate a lot of great memories in my life with that season in my life. And I love that music. And I've got it going on all the time. And that's one of the things I do. So I listen to that. So I got into the habit of watching all the Netflix stuff and whatever. So I would just say. Maybe before you go to sleep, Breaking Bad is not the best thing to watch. Now, if you're into it, great. But watching a show on a bunch of guys doing all kinds of crazy things to to produce methamphetamine might not be the greatest way to have sweet dreams. So what have I started to do? I started listening to Jim Rohn. And so there's some Jim Rohn on YouTube. And so I listen to that. And some nights, Beverly's there and she's like, you know, I fell asleep to that last night. That wasn't a bad thing to fall asleep to. So put the good stuff in what are you listening to what are you watching what are you reading here's the thing i'm going to say think about tomorrow just you've listened to this today and make a list today just tomorrow just if you could do this for one day if you actually love yourself what would you listen watch and read to demonstrate to yourself that you love yourself you know we always have to do things to show people that we love them why don't you show yourself that you love yourself what would you listen watch and read, tomorrow, just tomorrow, to let yourself know that you love yourself. Try it for one day, try it for one day, and maybe it'll happen for a second day, maybe a third, and so on. The next thing you know, you've had a week, and after a week, you go, I'm feeling pretty good. I promise you this, most people who are in a funk don't know they're in a funk, and you won't know till you get out of it. So hopefully, this has been helpful for you today. We talked to you about What's wrong with me? And it's good exercise to go through, but like I said, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just human. We talked about how to navigate the funk because it's not an instant fix. It doesn't just change in a day. If you could get out of a funk in a day, you can get into a funk in a day. So it takes a little bit of navigation. And then we talked about some practical steps on how to get out of a funk. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope you get a lot of what you needed today. And I will tell you, even bringing you this information has brought me life today. So thanks for the privilege of letting me do this work. Thanks for trusting me with downloading this podcast and letting me into your life. Some of you go for a walk or a jog or you write into work with me every day. I get all the letters and emails and keep them coming. I love hearing how this show impacts you. I also do this. This is one of the few podcasts in the world that doesn't sell anything. We're not sponsored. We've reached huge numbers and we get people all the time saying, we want to advertise, we want to sell, we want to do this. And we say no. There's only one thing I ask for you. I don't ask you to buy products and services or anything else. All I ask is this. If you know someone who'd benefit from this show, I'd like you to share it with them. Maybe you know someone who's in a bit of a funk and maybe they could use this message today and maybe it'll give them a little encouragement. Maybe they start listening to the Brian Buffini show. Maybe they start reading some of the books we recommend. Maybe they start listening to some of the other podcasts we've featured on the show. And the next thing you know, they're putting the good stuff in and the good life's being lived. So thanks for joining me today. And I'm going to leave you with the woman who put the funk in my life. She's 53 years with me, and she's 90 years on this planet. She's the great Therese Buffini. And every day of her life, every time I've ever talked to her, all she does is give me good energy, put the good stuff in. She's put the good stuff into my life for all these years. And what I'm doing today is a byproduct of what my mom's been to me. And so that's why I always have her leave you with a little Irish blessing. And when you hear this today, listen to her as she speaks into your life ultimately what her hope and prayer and what my hope and prayer is for you to live the good life so thanks for joining me today over to you ma'am may the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back may the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face And until we meet again may god hold you in the hollow of his hand see you next time